0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer, and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon, and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Uh, Today we continue our series, Encountering God, and currently we're looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph. The year was 1965 and John Wimber had just taken his life's work to the garbage dump. Uh, he was an accomplished um, musician, an accomplished writer, and arranger, and if you're familiar with uh, music from the 60s and 70s, he was actually part of uh, the group The Righteous Brothers. And if you don't know them, I would uh, they've got a couple catchy tunes, so maybe YouTube them uh, after the service, not during the service, but after the service, and uh, roll down your windows on the way home and crank them or something. And so uh, John Wimber had uh, just taken all of his music and stuff to the garbage dump. He, ha- he had uh, recently become a believer, and he felt like he was supposed to give up his, his music career and uh, do something else. And so, immediately, he got a job working at a machine shop, which he was completely unqualified for. He was not gifted at in any sort of way. And it was a really, really trying time. And, uh, but it, it paid the bills. And one day, he was talking with his wife, Carol. And he said to, he said to Carol, If God's got me nailed to this cross for my good... I'm not going to climb down off the cross and wreck the whole purpose of this painful experience. I'll just go through it until he is done with me. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Psalm 105, verse 16 through 19. Psalm 105, 16 to 19. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I love, what the, I love how the NLT translates that. It says, Until what he had said came to pass, or sorry, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Joseph had been given a dream that one day he would be a great leader. Uh, his family would bow down to him, and even though he didn't know how this dream would be fulfilled or how it would come to pass, he knew there was some sort of significance about it. And I think his father, Jacob, also knew that uh, his son, Joseph, would one day uh, be a great leader. In Genesis thirty-seven eleven, Joseph had just told his family about these incredible dreams that he had had from the Lord. And... Uh, It says, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So his father had this idea as well uh, that that his son Joseph would be some sort of leader. And Joseph, uh, like I mentioned last week and and will probably continue to mention, Joseph went through trial after trial after trial after trial. Uh, However, the greatest test that Uh, Joseph would encounter wasn't being thrown into prison. It it wasn't being wrongfully accused. It wasn't uh, being thrown into a a waterless pit. The greatest test that he would face would be the test uh, of the word of the Lord on his life. Was he going to believe the promises that God had told him that they would one day come to pass? So often, uh, we, ourselves, have been given dreams, uh, have been given visions or or, uh, just a calling that we feel is from God. Maybe someone has a dream of uh, starting a business and uh, giving millions of dollars to uh, a missions movement. Or maybe you have a desire to become a doctor and you've gotta go through 10 plus years of grueling uh, school to uh, enter into the medical field and use uh, what God's given you for um, His glory. But there's years where you go through uh, um, uh, just a process of, of what might seem like the opposite direction. Has anyone uh, had a dream, and, and uh, you, you want to go uh, accomplish that dream, but every direction that the Lord takes you in is the exact opposite? Anyone? Okay, one person, okay. I guess I'm a little weird. Um, day after day, week after week, month after month, and months turn into years, and you're going into the complete opposite direction that, uh, that you think you should be going And many of us tend to settle for what the world has to offer than continuing on and believing that one day the word of the Lord will come to pass in your life. Joseph has this dream that he would one day be a leader, that his family would be bowing down to him. And what happens? He's stripped and he's thrown into a pit. He's sold into slavery, he's falsely accused, he's shipped off to a foreign nation, he's forgotten in prison. God almost always takes us in what would seem like the opposite direction that, that the, uh, of, the, of the dream that he's given us, and this is to test us. The psalmist says, the word of the Lord tested Joseph's character. That leads me to two questions this morning. The first question is, what is the role of trials in our life? About 10 years ago, uh, I went to a friend's birthday party. And there was a group of us sitting in the living room. And we were watching, uh, well, we were just chatting. And there on the TV was a, a game show. And at one point, I, I made a comment about uh, just our, uh, what was being played on the TV, and and uh, one of the guys in the group got extremely offended by what I had said, and he got up and left the room. I was like, whoa, I didn't mean, like, I didn't mean anything negative by what I had said, and uh, so I... I a couple minutes later, I, I walked out of the room, went after him, and uh, tried to make things right. I, I apologized to him, I said, hey look, I wasn't trying to offend you, I wasn't trying to hurt you by what I said, uh, please accept my apology. And, and he just wouldn't have it. He wouldn't accept my apology. And uh, I just had this pit in my stomach, and, and the rest of the birthday party, to be quite frank, was really awkward. And uh, we went home, and the whole drive home, I'm just like, stomach is turning and turning and turning. And when I get home, I'm like, Becky, i I got to call him and, and, and just talk this out a little bit more. I need to, I need to make sure we're okay, things are right. So I, I call him, I get on the phone, and it turns into an hour-long conversation, this huge thing that uh, came from a little comment that I uh, would have never guessed. And... and at the end of the conversation, I, I thought things ended all right. I thought we were on a, on the on a good track, and I go to bed. Next morning we wake up, we go to church, and we're in the middle of the church service. And my phone is blowing up. I'm getting texts. I'm getting phone calls, and I'm like, "What is going on here?" And uh, I leave the church service, walk outside, and I pick up my phone and on the other end is my friend, he's like, Randall, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay? I'm like, I'm just fine. He's like, well, um, after you after you got off the, the phone with this individual, he came out, the, there were people still at the party, he came out and he completely lambasted you to everyone. He, he said, you have no character whatsoever, That uh, that you shouldn't be a leader, you shouldn't be in leadership at all and so on and so forth, and I had, again, an incredible big knot in my stomach. <clears throat> For the next couple months, I woke up with a huge pit in my stomach, and, and I had multiple conversations with this individual who I had offended, and, and continued to try and make things right, and, and again, over and over and over, he just wouldn't accept the apology, um, and continued to accuse me of, of different things. And one day I'm getting ready for work and I'm talking with the Lord and I'm like, God, what is going on here? Like, why is this so hard? What is, what are you doing? And uh, quicker than I've ever heard the Lord respond to me before, he said, Randall, I'm pruning you. And I'm like, excuse me? You're pruning me? I don't think I'm the one who needs the pruning here. Just a, a side note, if you're telling the Lord you don't need pruning, you're probably the one who needs the pruning. (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) So yes, the Lord was pruning me. Trials in the life of the Christian are to purify us. They are to refine us like gold. When the psalmist uh, says in in Psalm 105 that the word of the Lord tried him, the word of the Lord tested him, him. he uses this word serap, and it means to smelt or to refine metal, specifically gold or silver, to purify, to to purge away the dross. And, And Joseph was rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, all the things that we've said many times, yet it was the word of the Lord that proved to be his greatest test. Would he believe that, uh, that one day the dreams would come to pass? These refining years that Joseph walked through proved the depth of his faith, and they proved his trust in God Paul Paul speaks of Abraham as well who, who proved his trust in God in Romans 4:18 to 21 it says this of Abraham in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations now one second there he was going to become the father of many nations however Abraham was 100 years old at this point and his Sarah, uh, his wife Sarah was barren and so, uh, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No, unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glo- as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Trials in our life, impossibilities that are in front of us, either can take us deeper in our walk with God, they can draw us closer to him, or they can make our heart hard toward him. And they can make us settle for uh, what the world has for us rather than what God intends for us. My oldest brother, Jeremy, uh, over the last five plus years has been dealing with chronic uh, pain. From his waist up to his shoulders and into his neck, he has pain all the time. It feels like needles are going into his body. It feels like his arms and hands are on fire. And he is in incredible, excruciating pain all the time. There's no no reprieve from the pain. He's done every test known to man. He's worked with the Mayo Clinic in the United States. He's talked with doctors in Germany. He's done massage therapy. He's done acupuncture. He's done everything that you can think of. He's done every test known to man and no doctor has an answer for him. He's on long-term disability. He's on extremely high pain medication. Uh, So much so that if he tries to pull back on his medication, his body goes into shock and and just does incredibly, uh, or just does incredible, uh, it it increases the pain and he goes into shock. And it's just a really difficult uh, situation. There's really no light at the end of the tunnel other than um, one day being in the presence of Jesus and, uh, or, or experiencing a miracle on this side of heaven. And I want you to listen to my brother's testimony uh, from about a year ago uh, when he decided to um, be baptized. So take a listen.
1: Hi, my name is Jeremy Heyer and this is my story. I have a beautiful wife, her name is Joelle, and two kids, Finley and Emmeline. I was born and raised in a Christian home. From an early age, I accepted uh, Christ. I had lots of people surrounding me. I had grandparents that loved uh, the Lord. I had uh, friends, Uh, obviously my parents. I never really held fast to God's word or spent a whole lot of time praying or, or thinking on him. Like I've always been a Christian, always considered myself a Christian, and, and people knew that I was a Christian, but deep down inside, I just knew that there was more yet, more of a relationship that could be developed. That took me kind of into my early 30s. It was actually um, a sermon that I had heard here at Emmanuel. Terry was preaching at the time and I just encouraged everyone uh you know, how it, how could our relationship with Jesus look different in six months from now? It just resonated with me. I don't know. I, th- I thought about it and I, and I felt like I needed to make a change. And so I did. I just started reading, reading from the Bible. I had to push through and, and then it just it was something that I longed for. I started dealing with chronic pain in the summer or fall of 2017. I decided right from the very beginning, that I didn't want it to affect my relationship with Jesus. I just made a decision, said this isn't, I don't care um, how much pain I go through, I'm just gonna hold fast and let him walk me through it. I'm still here and I'm still moving forward and he has shown me his love and his goodness and his kindness and faithfulness. I was in uh, our backyard this last winter working on an ice rink for my kids. uh, And I was just talking with God quietly in my mind and heart. And I felt uh, a deep desire to just share my, my testimony and to be baptized. I'm here today to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior.
0: I don't care how much pain I go through. I'm just going to hold fast and let him walk me through it. I think of my brother often, I pray for him often, and he has become, to me, an incredible inspiration. Whenever I think life is difficult, I know it could be a lot worse. Trials in the Christian life are to purify us. They are to refine us like gold. My second question for you today is what is the role of waiting? It would seem like much or most of the Christian life is marked by waiting. Huffington Post uh, wrote an article in 2013 And it said, in a world of instant gratification, it can seem like the concept of waiting is on the verge of extinction. But learning to wait builds character and could even improve decision-making skills, a new study suggests. Researchers from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business found that the act of waiting increases patience. And the patience seems to help people make smarter decisions about money. When people wait, it makes them place a higher value on what they're waiting for. And that higher value makes them more patient. Remember when Joseph was in prison and these two guys come to him with dreams, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And Joseph ends up interpreting their dreams. And Joseph thinks, finally, I've interpreted some dreams. People have seen uh, God's favor on my life. Maybe this is when I'll get out of prison. Up to this point, he's been in and out of prison multiple times. Uh, It's been an incredibly difficult uh, life for Joseph. He's probably been in in prison uh, at least 10 years. And uh, Genesis 30, 20, 3 says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. He had been waiting for 10 years, probably up to this point already, even longer. And uh, what is he uh, confronted with? More waiting. What was the Lord doing in these years when Joseph was waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled? I know many of you um, have stories about waiting. And let me encourage you, God is moving and working in the waiting. The author tells us that that the Lord was with Joseph, that the Lord uh, even gave great favor to Joseph in the waiting. And in the waiting, the Lord was refining Joseph. We, wait, we, we live in a culture of instant gratification. I mean, uh, if I'm on my phone and I want to Google something, if that if that uh, page doesn't pop up within like 0.8 seconds, I'm like, is there something, babe, is there something wrong with our internet? Like, And I'm I'm going to the router, I'm unplugging, I'm resetting the router, I'm hard resetting my phone. I'm like, what is going on here? No, I just, I'm not very patient. We live in uh, an incredibly patient world, however, impatient world, however, this idea of waiting upon the Lord, trusting in the Lord that that he will one day bring about his promises is actually a thoroughly biblical concept. Listen to Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Psalm 27, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Waiting is not passive. Often I think to myself, oh, I'm just going to wait. Wait. Guess I'm just gonna wait and do nothing. No, waiting is not passive. God in the waiting is drawing us to Himself. The ultimate goal of the waiting is that Jesus would become our only longing. Many of the many of the Old Testament um, characters actually never saw. The the dreams that God had given, the promises that God had given, they actually never saw those being fulfilled. Yet they trusted that the Lord would work all of these things out. God in the waiting is aligning people and situations. God in the waiting is revealing our hearts, is is testing our hearts. God in the waiting is producing in us the faith that will say, I will not back down from believing what you have promised. Listen to what Moses says about uh, the wilderness, the waiting, the trials. Deuteronomy 8 2. And, and you shall remember the whole day. Sorry, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Learning to wait, learning to trust, humbles us. It builds character in us. It builds perseverance and endurance in us. Undoubtedly, there is a clear relationship between endurance and waiting. Joseph's years in in prison produced in him the foundation and depth of character that he would need to one day carry out the great responsibility of leadership that God had given him. And not only that, but he would need those years in prison that the Lord would be able to refine his heart, that the Lord would be able to work in him so that one day he could be reconciled with his brothers. Listen to the Apostle Paul talk about uh, trials and what they do in our lives. 2 Corinthians 1, 8-10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope and he will deliver us again. God has probably given you dreams. God has a calling on your life. God has promises that he has given you. And I have no doubt in my mind that they are from him and they will bear incredible fruit for the kingdom. But in this moment, the circumstances in your life are the exact opposite. And you're probably asking yourself, how do I move forward in these trials? How do I move forward in the waiting? I want to encourage you with three things. First, I want to encourage you to run to the Lord. Run to the Lord, like my brother, who said, I will not let this pain in my life affect my relationship with God. The Bible doesn't give us much insight into uh, the years that Joseph spent in prison, but undoubtedly, I have no doubt in my mind that we can assume that he cried out God over and over and over and over, that he poured out his heart in tears and that he ran to the Lord in prayer. God, why am I going through this? God, why have I not seen the promises that you gave me come to pass? God, is this your great idea? He probably also prayed prayers like this, God, I know you have good things in store for me. God, I know you are working out your plans, your purposes, and God, I trust in you and wait upon you, and I'm sure many of you in this room have prayed these same prayers. Some of the most dangerous prayers that I have ever prayed are, God, do whatever you want to me so that you can do whatever you want to me, want through me. I submit my life to you again, God. I submit to the crushing. Let the circumstances that I'm walking through have their full effect. Let the testing produce in me the character that would sustain the calling that you have for me. And often, These prayers are met with silence. The silence that Joseph endured must have become deafening. John Lennox says this, the question of the psalmist, how long, O Lord, must have been Joseph's constant companion? Secondly, I wanna invite you to submit to the process. I can't tell you how many times I have fought the process, the the trials and difficulties, the, the seasons that the Lord has brought me through, I have fought them. I can't tell you how many times I've cried out and said, really God, this is your amazing plan? This is how you wanna go about doing it? And he patiently and gently responds with, yes, son, This is how I want to do it. Joseph, at one time, like all of us, resisted the process. He asked the chief cupbearer to remember him when the chief cupbearer was brought back into the the court of Pharaoh. Joseph was like, remember me. Remember me. When we submit to the crushing when we submit to the testing, it produces the oil of anointing. It produces, uh, it produces in us the character that would be able to, that we would be able to sustain what God has planned for us. And lastly, and I'll call the, the worship band up at this time. Lastly, I want to encourage you know that God is in control. I know we we talk about God being sovereign a lot. We talk about God being in control a lot. It's true. The entire time that Joseph was in prison, God was moving in his heart. God was orchestrating circumstances to fulfill the promises that uh, he had for that he'd given. Uh, To Joseph, and and like I said last week in Genesis 39, uh, this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, we see four times. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph went into prison. The Lord was with him. Again, so often we're given these dreams or these passions or these callings, these desires, and we feel like they're supposed to come to pass tomorrow. Tomorrow. We often think, well, if God said it, then it needs to happen now. The problem is, is that we are unable to carry the weight of that, that dream. We're unable to carry that weight until the word of the Lord has tested us. Until the, the, the word of the Lord has tried us, that has refined us, has made us pure, James 1, 2-4, we, we, most of us know it well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let, uh, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Today I want to invite you to yield to the refining work of the Lord. Allow him to test you. Submit to the testing. Let him burn away everything that doesn't glorify him, that doesn't please him. Let him refine you like gold and silver. And secondly, I want to invite you to pick up and believe once again in the dream that God has given you. I think many of us hit the wall when we, when, we, uh, when we go through tests, when we go through trials, and like I said prior, we lay down the dreams that God has given us, we lay down the callings that God has given us because it's just too hard. And I know in this room there are some of us who have thrown down the things that the Lord is calling us to because it's difficult. And I want to invite you today to pick up that dream again, to pick up that calling again, and say, Lord, no matter what the pain I go through, I will continue to believe what you have said. I will continue to believe the promises that you have given me. Would you stand Let's fix our gaze upon the person of Jesus. Let's behold his beauty. Let's declare this morning that no matter what, we will run after him. That we will submit to the process that he has us on. That we will will allow the word of the Lord to test us. Let's worship.